Welcome to the latest episode of the Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week we will cover the state of European fintech and review the Tech.eu report on the topic. We will dive into Portugal's new startup, Portugal Initiative. Uh, Neil will give us his take on the Danish startup scene, which was featured earlier this week in The Guardian. We will catch up with Ricardo Souza on the Startup Portugal Initiative. So that's actually someone on the ground can tell us what's going on. And finally, we'll wrap it up with a discussion on International Women's Day and what it means for the ecosystem. So getting started, uh, let's jump right in with the state of European fintech. This was tech.eu's first ever vertical focused report. Neil, why did you guys even choose to do the first ever vertical report on fintech? Well, I think that, you know, it's it's an area which is Europe's strongest right now. I mean, for many reasons. So one, it's actually attracting more funding than any other vertical. I mean, actually, in terms of total capital, fintech actually took over 10% of the total capital that went into European startups last year, over 10% went to fintech startups. So clearly, there's a big kind of, I mean, at least on the investor side, a big interest in fintech right now. And more and more companies across Europe are moving into this area as well. And yeah, it's across Europe. Of course, there are a few dominant hubs, but it is becoming a wider vertical that is attracting a lot of interest. So yeah, fintech purely because it's, I think it's an area where Europe can really kind of claim it as its own as well. I mean, it's an area that that we have some particular strengths in. It can be easier because of easier regulation in Europe to set up a fintech startup than it can be in America as well. So we have that going for us. So yeah, I think it's, it's probably Europe's most important vertical, if you like. So that's why we chose it. And according to the report, apparently Europe is well-placed to become a real leader in fintech, with London and the UK leading the way. That said, the two highest-valued fintech companies are not in the UK, but actually in Sweden and the Netherlands. Fintech as a sector brought in 142 investments in 2015, uh, with the UK and Germany leading the way in terms of capital raised. I think almost one-third of the investments made were in the UK, so that's quite remarkable yeah that's that's definitely um kind of where the main activity is what's interesting about uk and germany i know i just mentioned before there's several hubs leading the way but others are joining in still uk and germany attract the most capital by a mile between the two of them they attract 84.6 percent of all of the fintech capital. So quite clearly, no one else can kind of even come near to them in terms of investment for fintech startups or in terms of the hubs that they've kind of set up around fintech. So yeah, UK and Germany clearly very dominant in this area. You can't really look much outside of those. Sweden and Spain were next in terms of the amount of capital that they received, but still a really, really far way off from UK and Germany. So they're definitely the leading hubs. And the UK out of the two of those is attracting the most. And as you say, one in three investments were made in the UK. So yeah, the UK can definitely uh, kind of lay claim to being uh, Europe's fintech hub. 
And the total amount of capital raises just kind of blows my mind. It was 1.8 billion euros for fintech. If listeners want to know more, they can access the full report on tech.eu. And in case any listeners are skeptical about, I guess, the whole fintech space, um, there was even some big news just this past week with international banking giant BBVA announcing that it had acquired Finland-based Holvi, their digital banking for small businesses. So I think that's uh, another point um, Uh, on the fintech scale. So terms of the deal were not disclosed, but obviously um, that will be contributing to this year's fintech report. And now moving on to Portugal. So a country that is gaining more and more kind of startup hype. We mentioned on a previous podcast that Second Home and Web Summit were making a move to the country. And now the government has also started to wake up. They have announced this past week the launch of a program called Startup Portugal. So the program was announced on March 8th by the prime minister himself, aims to give kind of structure to the ecosystem and tools for entrepreneurs and startups uh, to evolve and create. The main focus is on accelerating Portuguese startups, but they haven't completely closed the possibility to work with international startups as well. The government kind of outlined a number of different potential policies that it could implement in order to boost entrepreneurship. I think a lot of them are Things that we've seen already um, in other ecosystems, but they include possibilities for a Portuguese fab lab and incubator network, a seed program, a startup voucher, and more. So in many ways, this actually reminds me a lot of what La French Tech looked like a few years ago. Yeah. Is there any major differences that you can see at all? Or is this, is this kind of exactly what that was then, but now? Well, I think um, the the difference with La French Tech, um, and it's also different to what the UK has done with Tech City, France really took a kind of universal approach. Obviously, Paris is a epicenter for about 50% or maybe more of the startup activity in the country. But the La French Tech brand really wanted to go out of its way to make sure that there was enough credit and resources given to different startup hubs throughout France. So I think today they initially start off with nine. I think there's a few more hubs that have actually joined the group of, of cities that are labeled French Tech. And I think Portugal hasn't actually really outlined what the program is going to look like. They've just kind of addressed the different topics, which I think is very similar to what we see across the board. Um, and then to kind of compare it to you, UK's approach, UK kind of picked one location and then built it up from there, which I think is almost the reverse of what France has done. So it'll be very interesting to see how Portugal goes forward geographically, but in terms of topics, looks very much the same. One thing that kind of made me chuckle a little bit They're definitely kind of using the Web Summit, you know, the addition of the Web Summit that will be taking place in Portugal to their advantage. That was also something that was on the list of things that the government can utilize to their advantage. So I thought, you know, they're definitely going to milk that for all it's worth. Yeah, I particularly actually, I liked the, the fact that they said that the main focus is on accelerating Portuguese startups. But as you say, there's also talking about thinking about working with international startups as well. And I actually like that. I like that they are thinking about the possibility of learning or kind of exchanging with the international startups or just having that broader focus. I think too many countries initiatives do narrow themselves down and don't actually think about the possibilities of working with others outside as well and how you know, just contributing to the bigger picture can also benefit their country as well. So I did like the fact that they raised the point that they would be looking internationally as well. 
So I think um, we've gone great into kind of Portugal's ecosystem. And now we can take a step back and go to an ecosystem that you know very well, Denmark. So we actually recently saw you supporting Denmark in an article in The Guardian. So not too much surprise there. The article mentions a number of Danish startup success stories like Trustpilot, Vivino, Podio, Just Eat but mentioned that there's actually a lot contributing to the quote-unquote takeoff of the Danish startup scene. There are components that I think you see in just about any thriving ecosystem. They talk a little bit about VC funds, co-working spaces, and more. But I'm wondering, just because you know the ecosystem so well, Neil, what really makes Copenhagen or Denmark's ecosystem so different from the rest? Is there something that makes them different from the rest? Yeah, I think there is. And obviously, a big disclaimer here, as you said, I am a big supporter of the the Danish startup scene, and I've spent a a lot of time there so yeah obviously uh, I can't say that I'm, I'm speaking without any bias here but what I think differentiates it is the fact that there is a, uh, a very much a grassroots movement at the center of the community now this is something that we don't really see in a lot of ecosystems not in the way this is structured so while we see in Stockholm for example they have Stockholm tech meetup regular monthly meetup and they everyone comes around uh, the Stockholm tech hashtag uses that to kind of spread the word about Stockholm similar in other places in the Nordics and Baltics, at least, and, and kind of London has Silicon Drink about, you know, these community initiatives exist everywhere, and they are grassroots. But what's different in Copenhagen is that it's very, very structured. So the organization CPH for the win, it was essentially founded by people in the ecosystem. I was there the original night when people got together uh, to talk about a hashtag for the Danish community so we could kind of all share our stories. But it became more than that. It became a movement. And now the city startups actually financially fund CPH for the win to kind of promote Copenhagen as a good scene or as a good city for startups. And as such, they put on quarterly meetings to gather everyone. They kind of connect angels with startups, throw dinners for international VCs. They're very much kind of like the entry point and the promoters for what's happening in the scene. So where I think this is different is that essentially this is funded by startups. It's not a governmental organization. It's funded by startups and it's run by people who are in the startup community. So it really is a grassroots initiative. I can't think of any other ecosystem that has such a structured grassroots movement at the center of it. Yeah, that actually does sound very different to what we've seen in a lot of other ecosystems. So interesting, and I think that's probably a really credible approach as well when it's the startups themselves that are really leading, leading the way. Now we will have a brief interview with Ricardo Souza. So I actually got a chance to speak with him about Startup Portugal and what it means for the country. Okay, so Ricardo, thank you so much for being with us today. For our listeners who don't know you, I might as well just let you really quickly introduce yourself. Yeah, exactly. So my name is Ricardo. I'm based in Portugal. I started being an entrepreneur very early. Uh, I started Switch Conference, which was one of the first tech conferences in Portugal, getting a lot of people from Europe, from the States, to discuss the current state of technology. And now I run my own uh, company, Color Elephant, based out of Portugal. Super. And so Neil and I actually were discussing earlier on the podcast, it feels like Portugal is starting to get a lot of attention from the European ecosystem. We have Second Home that's going there. We have Web Summit that's going there. Now we have Startup Portugal. Do you guys feel the same thing on the ground? Yeah, I think there's there's certainly uh, a lot of enthusiasm going on and a lot of things that are going to happen over, I, I would say, the next year that are going to be very significant for the startup team here. Uh, I would say it, it it is probably more felt in Lisbon than in Porto because the things tend to be located in Lisbon and not in Porto. 
but what I see here now is not very different from what I saw in Berlin when, when I was there during the, the boom of the startup scene. So there's there's people, there's relevant people coming to the scene, there's more investment, there's more entrepreneurs, and then there's the events and the incubators and spaces and everything that sort of followed the first uh, entrepreneurs and the first investors that, that came and that decided that here was a great place to, to start up. So I think it's sort of a um, people recognizing the good conditions that we have for entrepreneurs and it's something that probably um, would happen anyway and with some efforts from the government and from the people working on the local scene, they are being accelerated. Super. So why don't we talk more concretely about what Startup Portugal is, which um, the government announced this past week. It looks a lot like Tech City UK, La French Tech in France. It's like the government program. Is that is that correct if we kind of resume it like that? Yeah, exactly. So we just had a new government uh, entering in, in Portugal uh, into power. And one of the first measures was because of the Secretary of State for the industry. is a person that is very close to the entrepreneurs and to the entrepreneurship scene. I guess that sort of led to Startup Portugal. And Startup Portugal, I think, uh, in general terms, and there's probably better people to talk about it than me, but there's there's this feeling that Startup Portugal can be very big if the pieces of the puzzle sort of line up to it. So there's a lot of hope that this program will be able to create the conditions at a government level to enable all the sort of grassroots uh, activity that has been happening for a while now, for one year or over one year. So Startup Portugal is basically a government-led program uh, to make Portugal a country more attractive to uh, entrepreneurs and investors, both from inside and from abroad. And our expectation with someone that understands the ecosystem being there is that it can be a program where the government doesn't take all the space and all the air that there is in there, as sometimes happens, but is more as a facilitator, as an enabler, that lets uh, startups, investors from Portugal and abroad do the hard work while taking some of the obstacles that government sometimes has out of the way. Super. That's like the real big hope for uh, startup Portugal. And tell me, what's the response been so far from the ecosystem? Have people seen this as kind of more government blah, blah, or are people really getting excited and feeling that something really good can come out of it? Well, I think if the program was launched with other people, I think the feeling would be, yeah, more, more, more government promises. Uh, but I think here, knowing the, the, the work that Startup Lisboa has done in terms of promoting Lisbon as a, a very cool startup city, I think there's a, a true hope, or at least that's what I what I believe, that this program will be significant in some ways. I don't think the government alone, or I don't think anyone that knows entrepreneurship well enough can even dream of government alone making Portugal a good place for entrepreneurs or making um, more startups come to Portugal or whatever. What I think is that there's a couple of things happening or sort of going on at the same time that this program will enable and will take to the next level. So we're talking about the fact that we have Web Summit coming to Lisbon. We're talking about the fact that we have Second Home, as you were saying, other incubations and other programs running here. Uh, we're talking about entrepreneurs that from abroad and investors from abroad that are coming and are settling in. And I think that all those things, together with some support from the government, as well as some, and I think that's perhaps where the program really needs to tackle, is the challenges that we right now have for an entrepreneur that wants to run a company 
to actually be able to run the company because I think that most of the time people focus a lot on how do we get more entrepreneurs here or how do we get more investors here but the big question is when we have them here and when we have people that want to start companies and are serious about it how do we make it so that the day-to-day -day processes don't take a lot of time and they don't prefer to go somewhere else and so I think that with the current program there's a great chance that we can take this really critical moment in, in the startup history, if you want to say it, of Portugal, and make it really relevant. So the hopes are high, I would say, the stakes are high, so um, the program will have to sort of live up to those expectations, but we, I believe, um, think that it will end up living, of course, uh, because of political reasons most of the times. Um, maybe not everything will go according to plan or not everything will be executed, but I think a good chunk of it will. And with the other things going on in the startup scene, so say uh, the Web Summit and everything else, it is going to be relevant and the program is going to help uh, get more entrepreneurs here and then settle them in and, and, and have them have their jobs and their, and their businesses based here. Super. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else that you want the listeners to know about the Portuguese ecosystem right now? Well, I think the Portuguese ecosystem is, is, is pretty great. There's a lot of people building very cool stuff. As with any growing startup ecosystem, there's a lot of talk about some key players, but there's some underground people doing really amazing stuff that don't go into that mainstream arena, if you want. So if you have the time and you want to come to Portugal, and you want to explore those startups, I suggest that you do. Any names you want to give us? Well, yeah, if you come to Porto, um, there's, there's some venue networks which, which, which has investors from outside, a lot of attention from the media outlets. It's, it's doing some amazing things in, in terms of networks, and they're just wired, the entire uh, city uh, buzzes uh, with, with free Wi-Fi, and they're creating very interesting technology, um, and I think what Portugal needs to understand is that we need the high growth, high hype startups to make Portugal appear on the map, but we also need those hardcore technology, innovative companies that will eventually, in the long run, be very important for the future of the country. And finally, I would say um, another thing we need is that we don't become, and that's a concern I have, we don't become factory of startups and what I wanted to say with this is that we don't just be the development centers of startups that have their headquarters and pay their taxes in other countries. I think it's very important that those government programs focus on attracting startups to Portugal that actually mm -hmm. are based in Portugal, pay their taxes in Portugal and create jobs in Portugal and not only have their tech development centers in Portugal because that in my book doesn't make them um, Portuguese startups. Yeah, I think that's a super point. But, that, but that's the reality with, with, with other ecosystems or was with other ecosystems in the past. So I think there's there's some sort of balance that will come up out of it. But I'm just worried that we, we, we sort of take all the good talent that we have in universities here away to those companies that choose Portugal because of the cost of hiring engineers and building tech teams. We need, of course, we need those tech teams and we need those startups and we need those innovators. But we also need the people that will create, grow, and then prosper from Portugal and not from other places. That's the real way of creating an ecosystem. Super. Well, Ricardo, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much.
yeah, great to hear from someone there who uh, kind of understands it and has a good opinion or knowledge on what it will mean for Portugal. So glad you had a chance to catch up with him. And so our final topic for this week is women. Last week on March 8th was International Women's Day. It's a day that I feel like the ecosystem goes crazy publishing lists and profiles of top women to watch. So one list that came out, which we actually published on tech.eu, was the Inspiring 50 list. It's the top 50 women in European tech. I think it's a fabulous list with a lot of women that I'm really impressed by, like Joanna Shields and Martha Lane Fox, which they make their appearance on just about every list, I feel, in Europe. But another list, which was maybe a, a newer angle, was published also on tech.ee the same day, a list of women in the investment space in Europe. And I thought, it's kind of funny. It's, you know, we see so many of the funds in the US, Kleiner, Sequoia, what have you, struggling to hire women, struggling to promote women. But in Europe, I feel like they're just about everywhere. So the real question, I guess, we've gone out, we've published these great lists, we know who the women are. How much do these lists really matter? Well, I want to give a analogy similar to like Valentine's Day, right? Where my girlfriend, or I also believe that Valentine's Day is pretty much meaningless, or it's like the worst day of the year. Lucky give- girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the worst day of the year to like, you know, celebrate something because it's it's very forced. You know, you're, you, you should celebrate that all year long, really, right? Like it shouldn't just be on that one day that you celebrate something. Because otherwise, I don't think it means that much. So for me, I think that it's great that we produce these lists in terms of like exposure. And it's kind of a nice, you know, it it is still needed to, to kind of open people's eyes to this. So I get it from that perspective. What my concern is, is like you say, all these lists come out on this one day a year about kind of saying, yeah, there's all these great women in the tech industry doing this, doing this and this. But then you don't get as much kind of coverage or support or whatever throughout the year so it's great one day a year but one day a year isn't really enough so that's kind of my perspective in terms of that i mean the other thing is like the the vc list for example like the way i see it, i saw someone say this on twitter is here's a great list of vcs in europe who happen to be women you know that's that's very much how I see it. I mean, some of the sharpest people I know in the tech industry in Europe were on that list, and they happen to be women. So yeah, I think it's always a tricky topic. But I think the fact that people still do need their eyes open, as you mentioned, uh, Sequoia very famously kind of said, you know, there's no decent women investors. I was in the, the US. So people clearly do need to be alert to the fact that there are. I just hope that soon we get to a stage where we don't need to open people's eyes anymore. So then we no longer need to, to kind of celebrate it in that way and it will just be a standard thing that they're they're good vcs and they you know of course there's good men vcs there's good women vcs there's also bad women vcs and there's bad men vcs yeah and i would i would definitely agree with you that i think you know it's just like Valentine's Day, you need to promote it all year long. But I do think one one great benefit that these lists actually have is that you know they, they stay on the web. So people in the future, when they need to find a woman speaker for a conference, or when they need an example of a, of a woman for something, or just anybody in you know whatever, there's so many different lists nowadays. They're out there, so people can make you know they can make reference to them, they can use them. So I think it's really great that people go out of their way to do these kinds of things on International Women's Day. I would definitely have to thank everybody Inspiring 50 group, tech.eu team that published this list, and all the other groups that went out of their way to kind of make sure that there were a number of really visible women on International Women's Day. 
Yes, and I think that's a, a good uh, sentiment to end this week's podcast on. So we will be back next week as ever. You can follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Acast. And of course, please subscribe. Leave a review if you're feeling particularly kind today. You can follow us on Twitter at Neil SW Murray, at Roxanne Vaza, at tech underscore EU. And of course, the website is tech.eu, where we welcome all of your feedback on the podcast. So please do leave us your comments there. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Bye, Roxanne. Bye, Neil.